every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. Well, the... The weight is finally off Todd's shoulders. He's the one who had to wear the scarlet letter for a month. The guy who has a mock draft out and has to take crap about it all the time. Now, Mel Kuyper Jr. joins the club. Mel's getting his share of feedback today. Todd, isn't it fun? It's always fun. The best, the best part is, uh, is the fact that we don't even make the, we don't even make the order. <laughs> which was a lot of fun. December 13th and everyone, you know, getting yelled at for, uh, you think they're not going to make the playoffs? And Mel was taking heat for, you picked the Patriots to win the Super Bowl? It wasn't even me. <laughs> things, so, we, things we get blamed for, it's not even us. So Mel Kuyper Jr.'s we, we mock draft. We do plenty to get blamed for. I know, we don't need more. Right. Mel Kuyper right. Jr.'s mock draft 1.0 is out. If you haven't seen it, open up a Twitter account, join Facebook, log on to ESPN.com or the app. It's out there. Everybody's got it. Obviously... We'll go through a few of the – we're not going to just list off 1 through 32 here. We're going to go through the top five, go through a few picks, and then we'll get down into it a little bit. I'm going to let Todd get started here because he had a month of this fun on the other end of it. Todd, obviously the biggest talker yesterday was your colleague, Mr. Kuyper, put Josh Allen, the quarterback out of Wyoming – a split opinion masterpiece, I will call him. You can you can see greatness or or bust in him, you know, depending on what you how you want to see it. But Josh Allen at number one to the Cleveland Browns, ton of debate on this, you know, completion percentage versus what kind of a winner he is versus the statistical noise because his supporting cast is kind of a mess. What did you see? And I guess my biggest question for you is. How much do you think this can change during the process? How much do you, what do you need to see from Josh Allen during the process that he can keep this kind of a lofty projection? Uh, it's not as much what I need to see is, is he just, first of all, needs to prove during the senior bowl, which I think is awesome that he's going to participate in. Huge. And then, and then the combine, but most importantly, when he has opportunities to go and have his private visits with NFL teams, teams that are interested in him, bring him in for the day, put him on the board. They're going to go through, you know, their their route tree progressions. They're going to put plays four or five plays and installment up on the on the board. They're going to wipe it off. They're going to tell him to go back and regurgitate it. Just test his football knowledge and just see where he is in, in terms of that part of the process, which is hugely important. And from what I understand, I don't, I wouldn't say Alan, just in terms of talking to people and, and going through this process year in and year out, I wouldn't say that he's, you know, among the elite, Andrew Luck, but he certainly has been coached well by a coaching staff that uh, had Carson Wentz and, and Wentz was probably a little bit more advanced because he had been in the system longer when he wound up leaving his coaching staff, but he, um, but Allen has shown progress in that regard. And so, and he's worked in a system that, yes, there's some quarterback runs, but it, but it has a lot of pro style elements and he has a lot of power at the line of scrimmage pre snap. So I think that's going to be an important part. And then secondly, just when he is throwing. And again, I think more importantly, at the senior bowl and during the, the private workouts with NFL teams, when they fly to him to go see him throw and have him throw to the receivers that they want and and run the route trees that, that they want to see, how does he perform in terms of his accuracy? Because the 56.1, there are times on tape, quite honestly, where you say, yep, this is a guy who didn't complete 60% of his throws, and there isn't a guy in the NFL that you wanted your starting quarterback that didn't come out of college with at least 60% completion percentage. So... That's going to be important to prove. There's other times on tape, though, where you watch and say, you know what, this poor guy, he's putting the ball right on their hands and, and they're not catching the ball. So there's a lot. He's in a fascinating evaluation, Mel, because there's so many different aspects to his tape study. Uh, but there's no denying that his, his physical tools put him at a level that very rarely see, to be quite honest. 
Yeah, and I think when you look at this first pick, to kind of scrutinize this first pick and, and say this guy should be there, that guy should be there, why is he there? It's ridiculous. It's nonsensical at this stage of the game. We're not in April. We're in January. We don't even have accurate measurables on these guys. And and we don't even know how free agency is going to impact this. We don't know where Kirk Cousins is going to end up. Alex Smith could end up. Cleveland could fill this need other ways. But you can't project trades. I can't say Kirk Cousins is Cleveland's quarterback now because I don't know if he will be. Okay, so you got to you got to put somebody at one. And if I would have put Josh Rosen at number one, people would have would have taken and criticized that. And if you would have put Sam Darnold at one, they would have criticized that. And if you put somebody other than a quarterback, they would have had a great time criticizing that. So you, you, no matter who you put at one, there was going to be some skeptics and doubters saying like, "Well, why do you like him at number one?" And Sam Darnold? Are you kidding me? He didn't even play that great this year. Look at the Ohio State game. Look at Rosen. He was at two years of injury. Couldn't even finish out the year and wanted to play in the bowl, but he was still in concussion protocol so wherever you went here these quarterbacks aren't perfect so whatever one could be picked apart I just think Josh Allen is the kind of guy that like you said Todd being at the senior bowl playing in that bowl game he didn't have to he was coming off a shoulder injury missed their final two regular season games both of which they lost by the way he didn't need to play against Central Michigan he didn't need to risk that Okay, he did. He went out and played. He played really well. And I think that game helped him with John Elway standing on the sidelines. And Elway has the, the fifth pick in this draft and certainly could look at Josh Allen very heavily. And then you think about the senior bowl. He's an underclassman. He didn't need to go to the senior bowl. He didn't need that. But maybe he becomes like Carson Wentz and he looks good down there and, and all of a sudden he solidifies that status. So he's going there to solidify. He's not having any questions about his, he doesn't want to, want to dodge anything. He doesn't want to hide anything. He's going to have it out there for everybody to see in Mobile. And I think if he can nail Mobile this coming week, then he's well on his way to being the number one pick overall. If not, uh, the, the, you know, the second pick to the Giants are certainly in the top grouping and being the number one quarterback in this draft. So I think this week will tell us a lot because guess what? Darnold ain't going to be there and Rosen ain't going to be there. Mel, follow up here. Obviously, just running through this real quick. I'm not going to run through 32. Everybody here has an internet connection. Cleveland, the, the first mock draft. Again, this is not a ranking of who Mel has as his top prospects. Right now, Saquon Barkley uh, is at the top of, I think, both of your rankings in terms of just raw prospect. But Cleveland won Josh Allen, New York Giants 2, Josh Rosen, quarterback out of UCLA. Uh, the Colts drafting at three took Bradley Chubb, again, in this mock draft, defensive end out of NC State. Cleveland at four again, that pick from Houston that became Deshaun Watson. That's where Saquon Barkley goes in this mock draft. And then number five, where I want to get the conversation going, Sam Darnold to Denver at number five. Mel alluded to it. A lot of people think this is a spot where Josh Allen could end up. Mel, is it a coin flip in your book? That between now and the end of April, when we're finally doing this for real, that Sam Darnold or Josh Allen becomes that number one pick. I'm putting Brett, Josh Rosen on the side. Josh Rosen has come out and said, I don't want to be in Cleveland. We can say that doesn't affect anything. I think it does. I think we all think it does. Sam Darnold, uh, preseason probably we would have said, yeah, that's the likeliest guy for the number one pick. How do you think this plays out? Do you think... Obviously, it's early on, as you've said. Do you think Sam Darnold has a chance to be that number one pick? Where would you put it at, kind of percentage-wise? Well, I think yeah, certainly he has a chance. Uh, it depends upon who you like. I mean, you can you can you can spin this and create different uh, a different narrative based on any way you feel. Uh, yeah, I can look at, at Sam Darnold. I can excuse away some of that, like Todd said. You can excuse away some of Josh Allen's throws. Some you can't. Same thing with Rosen, who had some interceptions midside. That stretch in midseason where he was eight touchdowns, eight picks is bothersome. He had the ball in his hands against Memphis. Rosen did late and couldn't beat Memphis. So you you can pick. A part all these guys. It reminds me a little bit of 2004 when you had Ben Roethlisberger coming out of the Mid-American Conference who had a terrible game at Iowa early that year when he came out. Terrible game. No touchdowns and four or five picks in that game. Okay, And Iowa dominated Miami of Ohio as Iowa dominated Wyoming this early this past year. Then you had Eli. Some didn't think Eli. Some think Eli was going number one because his last name was Manning, just like they said with Peyton. Okay, Everybody was critical of the, of the Mannings coming out. They were critical of Peyton somewhere and, and, and Eli. Then you had Rivers. Rivers went to the Senior Bowl and I was down there on the field watching him. He was impressive at the senior bowl. He had that delivery. He was a four-year guy at NC State. He had that delivery, which people were wondering, is this delivery going to work? Okay, it's, it's unorthodox. It's not It's not what you normally see. And, and look what happened there. And look how that draft unfolded. Roethlisberger dropped. He was the third quarterback taken by a mile. He wasn't even close to being in the top two. Okay, and, uh, and then you have Manning. 
Two Super Bowl rings, Rivers successful, and Ben's uh, maybe a future Hall of Famer. So I don't know how this draft is going to unfold, but he had similar questions. And we all do revisionist history with quarterbacks, and we act like they were all perfect when they came out, and they weren't. And it's the same thing with these guys. And all I'll say is right now, all three, I said it yesterday, you're splitting hairs with these three. You really are. And uh, and, and trying to figure out in January where they're going to go. And like I say, Alex Smith and, and, and Kirk Cousins could fill voids with these teams, and they may not have to. Like Garoppolo filled San Francisco's need for a quarterback. You thought they would look quarterback. Well, they have Garoppolo. Somebody's going to get Cousins, whether it's a Red. And if the Redskins don't have Cousins, they could look at a quarterback like Baker Mayfield at 13. So, And we haven't even talked about Baker yet, and he will be down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Todd, play GM for a minute here. Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, you're interviewing them both in the combine. You got your scouting staff there. What do these guys have to do to convince you that they're the number one pick if you're picking for Cleveland? Uh, well, first of all, I want to see – I mean, there's a lot of things. I, I want to see Sam Darnold's hand span. It's, it, it, it's a concern. You know, multiple scouts have, have mentioned it. Is he – is it's part of the problem, the fact that he just does not have big hands in terms of the fumbles and, and ball security. And more importantly, I want to I want to find out just in a day probably spent with him working out. Can we can we drill in getting two hands on the ball and start working on that? And 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 can we just put him in situations where where he's somehow under some kind of pressure is, is doing a better job protecting the football? But basically, I I think with Darnold, you kind of know what you're getting from that guy. I mean, his, his intangibles are, are outstanding. He goes about it in a very professional way. He's a, a guy that teammates will run through a wall for, and, and he's, just, he's got a lot of, of that it quality, if you will. Rosen is very different. I'm, I'm not worried about his mechanics. The interceptions are concerning. You know, he's got 30 starts and 26 picks. It's not a good combination. So, you know, why is that? And you have to continue to study. The thing I... See, that's probably the biggest trend is under pressure. When, when he, he's just not as mobile as Darnold or Allen or Mayfield, most of these guys. And when the, when the pocket starts to collapse, he's not able to escape as frequently as the other guys do. He tries to, he tries to extend plays and he just doesn't know when to, when to say quit. But really what I'm trying to figure out more importantly is, does he respect authority? Does he, I'm, you know, I feel like a, a broken record, but all the things you want to find out about your quarterback, and you have to put them through psychological tests, you have to grill them, you have to really spend a full day with them and try to get to know them. You want to bring them to your facility. And, you know, I heard a great story Bill O'Brien recently was saying about Deshaun Watson when he knew that Watson was, they wanted Watson to be their guy. He said, you know, we watched all the tape, we saw everything, put him on the board and, and saw his intelligence. But when I really knew that I wanted this guy was when I we broke from tape meetings and went and had lunch. And instead of coming and just sitting down with us and kind of following us, he went on his own way. He got a he went and got his lunch, sat down at a table, and before you knew it, it felt like half the team, he said, was was surrounding him. He's like, I, he knew a couple guys from South Carolina, and they came up, but guys that he had never met before wanted to meet him and wanted to be around him and spent the entire afternoon, you know, during that lunch break talking to him and and just the way he carried himself and the leadership he had and the poise he had. We just knew he was the guy. It was different than everybody else. And I think Rosen's going to be put in a lot of those different kind of settings and purposely put in uncomfortable situations. And I think that's going to be a real key. A team has got to say, you know what? We don't care about the hot tub. We don't care about the tweets. We don't care that his parents have money. We just, we believe in this guy and we think that he loves the game and we think that he's the right leader for our team. And he's got to sell at least one team picking early uh, on Josh Rosen. It sounds like Mel Kuyper at lunch in the uh, cafeteria here. Sits down, turkey burger, <laughs> Rice Krispie Treat, and there's 20 people around him. It's amazing. Mel, we have Josh Allen at one in this mock, Josh Rosen at two, Sam Darnold at five, and then whoop, way down there at 13, got this guy named Baker Mayfield who maybe is about my height, but he has a Heisman. Ball placement was off the charts this year. Competitiveness was off the charts this year that – Something about what Todd just described, getting the team to run through a wall for him, was there this year. He's at 13 in Washington, which in this mock situation, Kirk Cousins is obviously elsewhere. At least I'm guessing that's the case in your mind. 
But at 13, do you see uh, do you see a possibility of Baker Mayfield crashing the party a bit earlier? Say Denver at five or the Jets at six. Um, maybe even Miami at eleven, depending on what happens with Ryan Tannehill. You had him at thirteen here, but where do you think what what do you think the ceiling on this kid is? Well, again, mocks are who you talk to in the league, and Todd does it, I do it, and, and you go by that. You don't go by what we think. It has right. nothing to do with our ratings. These, these, everybody seems to want to point to, well, you must not like this guy. You must not like, it's not because of that. And, and I'm not talking to 32 <laughs> does teams. Does that really happen? Yeah. You know, we're not talking to 32 teams. We're talking to a select group of people that we respect and we go with, and they're our guys, and that's who we trust, and that's what you do. That's what mocks are. And I think you look at Washington. I did it for two reasons. I thought Baker would go in this general area. I thought, you know, obviously Kirk Cousins isn't a guarantee to be back in Washington. And even if he is back in Washington, this is a spot where somebody could trade up to get Baker Mayfield. And we can't project trades, but I can still put a guy in there for that reason. And I did for that uh, purpose. You have Arizona at 15. You have other teams that could look at moving up to that spot to get Baker Mayfield. The thing that Todd said about Josh Allen, that 56%, some people will say, hey, as I said, it when you look at it, 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL this year. Okay, only one Josh McCown had a lower completion percentage coming out of college. Some teams look at it and say, we don't want Josh Allen for that reason. Singly for that reason. They won't even worry about some of the things you can excuse. Well, let's say the bottom line is he's a 56-1. We don't want it. Some people say it's six foot, whatever Baker Mayfield is legitimately going to be. Six, five, eleven and a half, six foot and a quarter. I, whatever it is, that's not six one, six two, six three. We don't want him. So some teams will just take him off the board and say, we don't want him because he doesn't fit the physical qualifications we need for that position. With that said, Baker at the senior bowl, he said, what does Josh Allen need to do? What does this one do? Baker needs to be show he can be a CEO, show that he's mature. I think players will gravitate to him. They'll watch that, watch how he handles himself all the way when he's walking around the the uh, the hotel, you know, and then downstairs, they all kind of walk around there, and they're all out doing their thing. It's, it's not all just football during the day. At night, they're doing different things. I'll watch Baker Mayfield, and, and that's what they're going to do. And they want to see, can we trust Baker Mayfield to be our leader, our CEO, and not have any issues, no antics, whatever you want to call it. So that's what Baker's needs to do. But I think he's not – if he were 6'3", you know, quarterbacks that fit the physical qualifications, all 32 could look at him. In the case of a – Five eleven and a half, six foot and a half quarterback. All thirty two aren't going to have a high opinion of Baker Mayfield. Todd, as you looked at the mock, and I know you guys did the show together last night. If, as you looked at Mel's first mock, um, and you have you know recent memory of your own, was there a spot where you looked at that the mock maybe within the top ten and said, "Oh, that's an absolute home run for that team if it works out this way." Obviously, we talked about Allen, Rosen, Chubb, Barkley, and Darnold. The next five off the board were Fitzpatrick to the Jets, Quentin Nelson, the guard from Notre Dame to Tampa Bay, Calvin Ridley to the Bears. We know they need wide receivers. Uh, Denzel Ward to the Niners and Roquan Smith to Oakland. But just overall, were there spots where you said, oh, man, that would be awesome for that team if it works out that way? Well, I, you know, depending on which quarterback you like, but – and forget the first pick, but if, if Barkley's sitting there at four after you get the, the quarterback that you want at one, no matter who it is, it's a pretty good combination. A um, couple other – Calvin Ridley, I, you know, it's hard because Ridley's probably never going to be, you know, the elite of the elite. He's not – he's just not that built that way. But I think he's going to be a really good starting receiver in the league, and the Bears desperately need weapons for, for Mitch Trubisky. So I think being able to, to address that need with the one guy that I think that we feel good about in the first round at the wide receiver position, I thought that was a good, uh, a good mix. And I also thought for Oakland, you know, Roquan Smith, they need a, they need a linebacker like him. They've got Khalil Mack, who's an edge rusher. They need a linebacker that can clean things up, that is sideline to sideline and can help cover, too. You know, backs out of the backfield, some slot receivers. This guy's got speed. He's got fluidity. He's got instincts. He, he, and he's a darn good tackler, too, for a, a linebacker that's just not all that big. So I, I think he's a pretty complete player. I know he loves the game. Everyone raves about his his character and, and just football leadership and and I think in Oakland they could use a little bit of that in John Gruden's first year. Mel, back to the quarterbacks real quick as we roll through this. Allen, Rosen, um, obviously Sam Darnold, and Baker Mayfield. We had four quarterbacks come off the board in this Mach 1.0 for you. For both you and Todd, um, was there anybody else you were looking at thinking, I don't know, this it could be a fit here? 
uh, that fifth guy who can get into round one? I asked. Uh, that's what I did. I asked about Mason Rudolph. I asked about Lamar Jackson. I asked if there was any other surprise late first round pick and trying to find a spot in the late first round for a quarterback. Teams are picking in the late first round because they're pretty good at quarterback. Right. And they don't need one. And so you can't project you can't that somebody's going to trade, gonna trade right. back in. But right. even, even with that said, I didn't have, I didn't have anybody tell me Rudolph or Jackson was a first round pick of the people I spoke to. So, like I said, I didn't talk to speak to everybody, and I'm sure somebody would have probably said one of the two or maybe a late one, but I didn't have that, so I didn't mm-hmm. even need to worry about trades you can't project. And I would have had him in there if it, I could have projected. I'm not going to say that because nobody told me that. So that's why and Rudolph uh, and Jackson are not in the Mach 1, and they wouldn't have been even if I could have projected a trade. Todd, a couple guys that people don't know. Uh, maybe you can give us a little scouting report here. Number 12 overall, the Cincinnati Bengals take a guy – named Tremaine Edmonds, out of Virginia Tech. Give people a little scouting report. When it's a guy people don't know and he's going to go top 15, just a little vibe on who this guy is. You know, Mel, Mel made a comparison last night that I think is, is pretty apt. Uh, oh, Zach nice. Cunningham, second-round pick from uh, from a year ago coming out of Vanderbilt and had a pretty good rookie year. Tremaine Edmonds is a little bit like that. Anthony Barr is another comparison I think kind of works. You know, at, at Virginia Tech, this guy has, has rushed off the edge. He's played off the line. He's covered. He's blitzed up the middle. He's done a little bit of everything. He, I'm pretty sure he's a leading tackler, over 100 tackles this past year. He's in the backfield all the time, 6'5", 250-plus, and he's just kind of a physical freak. I think, you know, whether it's just Virginia Tech, Got close to being in that national spotlight and, and you know, top ten team, but never was never quite got there. Whatever the reason, he just flew under the radar this year. And his brother is a freak in, in the secondary. He's in this year's draft. He's not as good a football player as Tremaine is, but he's. And you talk to the guys at Virginia Tech. I had him in the, the opener this year against West Virginia, and they just rave about these guys, both of them, in in the weight room and and the speed and all the the testing that they do. The, the Edmonds brothers were just putting everyone else away. And uh, I think as we go through this process, it's not. Again, it's not about just the workout stuff, but when you get a six-five linebacker that can rush, cover, and play the run, and he has physical tools that are off the charts, and he was highly productive in college, what's missing? I mean, I, I, Mel has him high here at twelve. I I think at some point we could see him in the top eight, ten picks overall. Wow. Yeah. By the way, his father. Uh, you know, Todd wasn't born yet, but I was scouting his father, Farrell Edmonds, <laughs> tight end at Maryland, tight end right in my backyard at Maryland. Was a heck of a player. Was a third round pick to the my, there you go, Miami Dolphins, and had a, a nice career. So you know, it's good bloodlines there. Uh, there's no question. His father, uh, Farrell Edmonds, was a really good tight end. Mel, well, another guy a lot of people don't know that crashes the top fifteen. Give us a little report. Marcus Davenport, defensive end. Texas San Antonio, again, for those of you who don't follow the draft that closely, this is big praise here for Mel. Bradley Chubb, obviously, more of a household name, goes number three overall to Indy. But the next guy off the board from that position goes at 14 overall in this mock to the Green Bay Packers. Marcus Davenport, Mel, give us the uh, lowdown. Well, yeah, you, know, you think about the Roadrunners and Frank Wilson, their coach there. Uh, yeah, they are a team that, that certainly uh, did some good things. They had some close losses last year. But Davenport, great height, length, wingspan, and and great takeoff and closes. And, you know, he's going to be around 6'6". Six, six cha- I mean, he is, and he's got that frame. He talked, Todd talked about Tremaine Edmonds being so physically freakish and athletically freakish. And that's what Marcus Davenport is. And you're looking for pass rushers and cover guys. That's what this league's all about getting heat on a quarterback and covering on the back end and and Davenport after if you look at the pass rushers in this draft and there's a, a decent amount we can always find uh guys that uh, they can play in the third fourth round there's going to be a lot of those guys uh, you know Armstrong at Kansas Nwosu at USC uh Teray at Rutgers I mean Holland at Auburn Van Der Esch at Boise State there's a lot of guys but I think when you look at the defensive end spot after Bradley Chubb uh you know he's the best one uh, you know, people talk about Arden Key. I keep, everybody asks about Arden Key said second round, third round. I, so I went with, with Davenport as a guy that I think by the time we get to late April, I have him at, at 14 to Green Bay, desperately needing a pass rusher. Okay. I don't know if he'll be there at 14 by the time we get to late April. I, I think he may be like Edmonds and may bump up just a little higher. You know, you, you, you get to this time of year and people say, who is this guy? Where does he come from? He's never going to go that high. He's not a household name. And then, you know, a guy like Khalil Mack comes out of Buffalo. 
again, Khalil Mack was on the big board early in the season, but you know, bottom line is once you get into the scouting process and you actually the combine matters when you actually put these guys side by side, you start to realize that a lot of guys could have done at Bama what a really good player did at Bama and you and you realize a great player at Bama would have dominated at, you know, UT San Antonio. It's it's an interesting process. Another thing that stood out to me is the rise of a certain Josh Jackson. Todd, Denzel Ward is a guy you've seen a lot of. Uh, in this mock, number nine overall to San Francisco. But the Big Ten holds serve again with this number two cornerback taken in this draft. I believe you saw Josh Jackson's blow-up game up close. What did you see? Josh Jackson, lanky corner from Iowa. Mel had him here going 15 to Arizona. Yeah, I saw three interceptions that night. I can tell you that. And, and, and then he rushed and the, the field. And yeah. a devastating up, uh, upset for your Buckeyes. <laughs> so, I've got Jackson at 17 overall. He's he's a player that continued to get better. You talk to their coaches, and and early on, he just he kind of had some struggles with consistency of footwork and eye discipline. And, you know, like a lot of young guys, he wanted to make a name for himself and maybe wouldn't exactly follow the, the right procedures and, and would start the ball hawk a little bit and come off of his guy or get out of his zone. But um, he, he got a little bit more discipline as, as his career went on. And, you know, I, I, I talked to him after the game, and it's, he's a big, thick dude. And to, to watch him on tape and see how fluid he is, how physical he can be in, in press coverage, six foot one, he's got pairs on tape to have long arms, and then the eight interceptions – they, it doesn't always, but it usually translates. That's one thing I found out with especially defensive backs, safeties and corners. Guys, you know, there can be tip balls, there can be fluky interceptions, but for some reason, the vast majority of guys that turn the ball over, that take it away in college, wind up going on to take it away in the NFL. And it's, and it's invaluable. You gotta have those guys. And I think, you know, the fact that he was able to pick off eight passes this year and play huge in, in the biggest game that Iowa had all season long really speaks to his playmaking ability and his improvement. And I, I think this is right around where he belongs, the middle of the first round. And I think a team, especially teams that are looking for that bigger physical press corner, he's going to be a great fit. Mel, another uh, secondary situation that, that popped for me, and uh, it's really just interesting as we look at the off season. Seattle Seahawks, Legion of Boom, I don't know what that is anymore. Uh, we obviously know they like what they did in the draft last year, but Richard Sherman is a question mark. Uh, Earl Thomas actually looked amazing this year, given what he was coming back from. But then they also have Cam Chancellor, mm-hmm. a question mark, obviously a classic new hybrid type of player. You give them a guy named Derwin James out of Florida State. James is a guy I think – Say we did a mock draft, you know, in September, we think maybe he would be in the top 10 safely, maybe even top five. Derwin James, what were you looking at in that personnel situation in Seattle? Obviously a need. Uh, how does he fit? I think the Legion of Boom, too, you're trying to, to, to get going here. Uh, they're, they're really a team that is really could go either way. They could, they could go back up or they could go down a little further. Seattle's in this year where it's kind of critical that they do good things to improve this personnel base and, and keep things going here for Pete Carroll and as they slip back a bit and they got it, that offensive line's got to be solidified and certainly uh, Derwin James fits the mold of what they have had success with. And I look at James, you know, he had that significant injury. People question should he have been on the field? Against the one double A opponent. They like to have him out there early in the third quarter. Jimbo Fisher did. He got hurt, missed that whole year, came back. Wasn't quite the player he was, but he's a kid that will test out very well. When he was on, he was on, and he was a dominant player. And you would have thought going into and we had several guys, and I tried to highlight this yesterday, Todd. There were several guys that if you'd have talked back in August or thought back in August where they would go, it would have been a lot higher. And he was one of those. If we'd have talked in August, you'd have thought, and I don't know where you had him in the, on the first round after the draft, the day after the draft. Todd does his Mach 1.0, and I would assume, and I would think you probably had Derwin James in the top 5 to 10. I don't remember. That's the stupidest <laughs> drill I do all year can long. We, can, we pull, can we pull that up for our own uh, edification? Yeah, you, know you, you, know you know what I will pull well. up? I will pull up my – I don't even know if I have it. Somebody's got to have that um, first oh, round mock. No, I'm pulling up my initial rankings after after actually watching tape, which I which I'll <laughs> – 
They'll, I'll they'll own try that. To, they'll I, try to disqualify that mock. That mock's interesting. Kuiper, People I will, love it. And, uh, and it gets I great, will great, never uh, own that thing. Great interest. I, yes, that is ESPN. Dot, that's ESPN.com owned. That is not a Todd McShay piece. Uh, you know what, Todd? Initial... You look really good. I'm going to tell you what. We're trying to help you, Cleveland Todd's Browns, game. he had Darnold 1, Allen 2, Rosen 3. Yeah. He looks great. Will, yeah. Calvin Ridley, we still have the top Where'd 10. He, he has him at 5. He has Barkley at seven. You have James at eight. You look like yeah, a freaking rock star. There you go. Calm I down. should have him in the top ten. He has right. Minka Fitzpatrick at ten. Like right now, you're crushing this. Right He's now, yeah, we'll see you in a couple but, months. But he yeah. wants no responsibility for that. So, so, so Sproul you, and, and Josh Macri take certainly uh, all the yeah. credit for all that mock. I'm yeah, just Derwin telling James you. It gave him a top, a top a ten worse. grade day day one starter. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. That's that's the real thing. Hey Todd, Todd, one other yeah, name but. here I wanted to uh, wanted to pull out because he's another guy people don't know that is crashing the party. Mike Hughes, cornerback, Central Florida. This could be the. You guys, I think, have both said he could push to be maybe the number two cornerback taken. Again, you know, without without you know crazy breakdown here. What are we talking about with Mike Hughes? Who is this guy? Again, these are names people don't know, and suddenly they're mocked to their team at 20, 18, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, Hughes was on the radar coming into the year, and then I really kind of got to see him in his impact at the the, um, the AAC, the the American Championship game against Memphis. I mean, he can cover. It's like I mean, he really can. Points in that game, they and but Hughes Hughes shut down Anthony Miller the first time they played, and then the second time. They did. Memphis did a great job of putting Miller away from Hughes. Yeah, the vast majority of that game, and uh, and they they got him going. Hughes can he he was big in the return game. I don't know if that's going to be a big part of his you know, NFL career, but he averaged 17 yards per punt return this past year with a touchdown, 32 yards per kick return with two touchdowns, and um, he's, he's a guy out of Miami, wound up at UCF, five eleven, about 190 pounds, plays physical, and. He can. He just flat out can cover. He, you know, there are guys that that have the instincts. I look a lot at for body control. You know, speed is important. Length is important. You obviously need to have quick feet and fluid hips, but body control to be able to play under control while working fast, while at full speed and while changing directions, and he's got it. And I think the kind of the more I watch on him, the more I like him and. I put him in my top 32 recently, and I was not at all surprised that Kuiper had him in his mock draft. I think this is a guy who has a legitimate chance to wind up in the first round, and if not, he's probably going to be in the first two rounds of the draft. Yeah, let me just say this, and to echo what Todd said, when you ask people, because that's what you go by, uh, what do they think? I, you know, some people say, come back and they'll say, late one. You know, I'll get late one, early two. Late. For, for Hughes, it was one. It was one. That means first round. No, no late one, one. So I, like I said, I think you look at the, the top three corners with you look, when you look at Ward at Ohio State, Jackson at Iowa, and Hughes at Central Florida. I think that's a physical. You cannot play with 10 guys. And you can't. And the, and the distant NFL, it's not about supporting the run. It's about tackling guys that catch the football in space. That's what you got to do. That's because these, these, these short little bubble screens and tunnel screens, they're all just an extension of the running game. But you got to tackle those guys. And that's what these guys do. So I think that you, you can't. The days of having a guy who just covers and doesn't tackle, you, you say, well, what do you need to tackle for? They're throwing a the ball. You got to tackle the guys that catch the ball and, and, and behind the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage and then not allow. No, you sound like you're tackling someone. Right now, you're right. Yeah, I am. I just hate non-physical <laughs> players, and and he's a physical. So all these guys, when we look at the top three corners, we're not going to question can they make a tackle. Mel Saquon Barkley at four. Obviously, we know this guy's going to land in round one unless he, you know, drags a sled while he's running mm-hmm. his forty. Were there any other? As you talk to people, I know Todd, you're talking to people. Are there any other people saying? Mm-hmm. Nah, keep an eye out for this guy who could also land yeah. in round one. I'm talking about running backs. Could yeah. anybody else crash the party? Well, it, we know nowadays if two of them go in round one, it's almost an upset. Yeah, Barkley's going there. Who else? Well, I think there's three guys that are really good, and and I think and there's a lot of running backs that are really good. It's I can say class. three. I'm saying yeah. three for the first that we I was thinking about, and I just couldn't find a spot for him. I mean, because when you put somebody in, you're nixing somebody, and you're taking them out. So, but I think you look at had Darius Geis been healthy all year, and he never got a lot of help, even though Etling was a little better. Uh, the passing game was never a strength of the LSU Bayou Bengals, and 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 yet 
Darius Geis had enormous numbers, enormous numbers. Average per carry, the way he runs, the way he breaks tackles, his balance. Uh, you know, Darius Geis from LSU. Sony Michelle, late in the year, was on fire. And I think I heard, thought Kirby, Kirby Smart didn't let him have the ball enough, uh, or they would have maybe, uh, done a little bit better, uh, and maybe won a national title. So I think you look at, at Sony Michelle, Georgia, Darius Geis from LSU, Ronald Jones, USC, and there's others, but I think Geis and Michelle were the two that I thought about getting into the late first round. That jibe with uh, your thoughts, Todd? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought there was a good shot. Um, I've got both of those guys in the top 32. I, I actually, the one guy that stood out to me was Orlando Brown, the offensive tackle from from Oklahoma, Zeus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a right tackle. He's. I'd like to see a little bit better footwork. He could probably take off some LBs and, or maybe turn what he has into a little bit more muscular LBs. But, um, but he is, he's outstanding in the run game and he's just so big and long, man. Right. It's tough to get around him. And I think he's got a chance to be a good starting right tackle in the NFL. Yeah. I thought about, it. I was going to put him in. I ended up, which it's just the way the first round works. You got to, you got to fill needs yeah. too with these teams. And Orlando Brown was one I didn't feel good about leaving out. Uh, but you know, yeah, Colton uh, Miller from UCLA is is kind of hot right now because he's you know, he's six seven, six eight. He had a great year coming off the injury, and then you got Connor Williams who had the injury and didn't play well when he before he got hurt and after he came back. Yet he had a high grade going in. So I ended up with Colton Miller from UCLA and Connor Williams from Texas, and near the end of the first round, didn't have any other spots to put put Orlando. But I could have put him in over them and I, or over Connor Williams, and I almost did. So you thought right, Orlando Brown probably in the next mock for me, which goes out the middle of February after all the All-Star games are over and just prior to the Senior Bowl, Orlando Brown very easily could be in the late first round. Todd, I'll let you wrap this up just because you're going to be headed down that way uh, pretty quick. As you said, this is one of the coolest, most interesting Senior Bowls you can remember. You got Baker Mayfield there. You got Josh Allen there. They're not alone. There's a lot of interesting things. Can you Quickly give us just kind of your biggest guys you're looking forward to seeing up close in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Um, I think the tight end position is going to be interesting. You know, this, it's not the greatest group in terms of the, the overall class, but um, but most of the, the big hitters at that position are going to be in Mobile. So I'm excited to see a guy, uh, Dallas Goddard, who comes in and, you know, didn't play at the, the highest level, South Dakota State, 6'5", 255, dominated that level, really athletic. I like his tape. I want to see him against, you know, some of the big boys. Um, you got Troy Fumagalli from Wisconsin, uh, Mike Gusecki from, from Penn State, who's really athletic, continues to get better. Um, uh, Chris Herndon, I don't know if he's going to wind up playing because he had the injury, but he'll be down there. Ian Thomas, who I still have to do more tape on from uh, from Indiana. Durham, uh, Durham Smythe from from Notre Dame. So there's a, a bunch of good guys at the tight end position, which I think is going to be interesting. And then I love the small school guys. You know, you don't get to see enough of them during the year. Have to kind of cram those guys in this three-month portion of the process, and especially the, the defensive backs. Every year there's there are guys – uh, Danny Johnson from Southern, Teron Johnson from Weber State. You got a Dubuque guy, Mel, a cornerback from Division Three, Dubuque, uh, Michael Joseph. Yep. So there's just a, a bunch of those those small school guys going up against some of the you know like a James Washington from Oklahoma State. You know the opportunity to show what they can do. I think is is one of the real fun parts of the process down there in Mobile. Yeah, an offensive lineman. I think Austin Corbett at Nevada, a center guard prospect who uh, you know has done it all along that line. Big enough. Yeah, that, oh yeah, he'll be fine. I mean, Will Hernandez, UTEP, is a guy who really gets after you. So I think that some of those linemen, when they go one-on-one with the elite of the elite, as you don't see that every time you watch these teams play. They're kind of manhandling guys that aren't going to ever play in the professional football ranks. Uh, that I think Corbett and Hernandez will be interesting to see how they fare in Mobile, because they could end up being in that second, third round discussion. Guys, we hit a lot here with the mock. We have a pile of mail that has come in. Most of it pretty warm, uh, but we're going to hit that after the break. Welcome back to First Draft. Mel, Todd, they're the important ones. They'll be answering the mail. I'll just deliver it. Ben at Ben Jimin W asks, Todd, take this one. Could the Colts trade down to six or seven and still get Bradley Chubb? The Colts obviously right now are at three, but they don't need a quarterback, we think. Yeah, I mean, we're three months away. 
but I get the question, <laughs> and I think it's I think it's an intelligent question, and and I I posed Answer it yesterday, and yeah, I think there's a strong possibility, and it appears from way afar that the Colts could be in a, a good position to move that pick and still get a player that they they want. Uh, our guy Polian always says you got to have three guys if you're going to move down that you that you really like because history's told him that you're likely to only get one of them depending on how far you, you move down. So if, let's say, just hypothetically, the Jets want to move up and get ahead of Denver uh, and potentially Cleveland to, to secure the quarterback that they want after the Giants pick it too. That would be an awesome opportunity because you got the, the Colts there. They move down just a few spots to six. You assume at that point maybe another quarterback goes, which they clearly are not looking for, and that is why they're in this opportunity. And now you're sitting at six, and maybe probably only one of those other two teams is going to pick a position player. So if you have, let's say, I, I don't know, Chubb and Barkley and Fitzpatrick, for example, in your list of three, you're very likely to get definitely going to get one and very likely to get an option of two between those three guys. And oh, by the way, there's over three months to go till the draft. So over three months and a 98, time, was, 97 days now. Exactly. I think I'm just curious <laughs> to see a demo board of, of the floor and ceiling for McShay see how he has these guys floor to ceiling yeah. on a demo board. I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting the, uh, that chapter two of that book. It's like a beautiful yeah, you turn, mind. you turncoat. Yeah. Absolute turn. <laughs> that was the best segment in the history of ESPN. Oh my god! So, so the, last night. So this element thing we were doing, I'm sure you saw it. It broke. It wasn't working. We we had to push it back from the the C <laughs> segment to the like Fs, whatever it was. It starts working right before we go on air for that for that you know the fifth or sixth segment of the show. We get up there and we're all just kind of walking up. It's been 13 hours of TV. We're all a little loopy. And I'd say to the producer in my ear, I was like, uh, you know, what are we doing here? He's like, Oh yeah. Um, well, it's the fl- floor and the ceiling. I'm like, how do I use it? He's like, well, you do the arrow thing. I was like, okay. And it was like live. Wendy's, Hey, welcome back. Da, da, da. Here we go. Floor and ceiling. I look over. And I've never seen Kuiper and Polian backpedal so quickly. <laughs> and Wendy wasn't helping. She didn't know what was going on. None of us did. So I just started tapping the thing. I'm like, yeah, this is his floor. Uh, this is, could be a ceiling. And then they make, they only make it worse. <laughs> I don't understand. It's running horizontal. I'm like, yeah, I know. I didn't, I didn't create this thing, buddy. Oh, uh, it was uh, a total meltdown. It was, I thought it was hilarious. Like I, the I price think, is honestly, right. at that point, I he's could the, not have cared less. One, he's the only one stepped up and took the wheel, and he did a good job with it, had fun with it. And like a took game a show host. But I'll tell you what. I, I was with Bill and I kept backing up. I almost was hiding behind my mock draft board to get away from that segment because I wanted no parts of that. I, I don't do well with, with demo boards and tap this, hit it's, that. Todd, this I, that's is not the my problem. Game. If you know how to work the touchscreen – you, they just leave you out there. He's the, the touch, touch screen. Screen. He's, wrong, he's the, he's the touchscreen czar. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Even if I ran it masterfully, it was really just not a good presentation. It, if you're gonna do a, if you're gonna do a chart on floor and ceiling, let's run vertical. Okay. <laughs> Segway here. That's the lesson learned. <laughs> Segway here. Floor, floor and ceiling. Mel, there's a, a few questions uh, about <laughs> a guy, Kurt, Kurt Benkert. A lot of people yeah. didn't see him this uh-huh. year at Illinois, uh-huh. but Vanilla Bean asks. That's the name. Vanilla Bean at LSU fan 969. Ask. Virginia. What's, excuse me, Virginia. It's blue and orange top. What's Kurt Benkert's stock like before the senior bowl, Mel? Kirk Ben Kurt, I watched a lot because uh, you know, Bronco Mendenhall, the coach there, and of course Micah Kaiser played in the same uh, league that Calvert Hall did. So I saw Micah Kaiser in high Here school throughout his career, and he is an outstanding linebacker for the Virginia Cavaliers, and a couple of receivers come on. But bottom line is, I think you'll look at at Ben Kurt. He's got the arm. He, he kind of has that Jay Cutler look. We're in at number six out there for Virginia, and he'll, he'll sling it around. And he's got the ability of the deep outs. He can make the throws. Okay, he's just to me, and, and he doesn't have the Elite talent around him. Virginia didn't have that kind of enormous playmakers around him on offense. I get that. Uh, he was just erratic. 
uh, he, there was throws that for an arm he had, he would come up a little short on. And, uh, you know, his accuracy is something he needs to work on. Uh, you know, just being consistent with his mechanics and his footwork is something he needs to work on. But he's got the big arm. Uh, you know, is he a guy that the teams could get enamored with to make him a, a second-round pick uh, or a third-round pick? Maybe they could. Right now, he's, Todd, I don't know where you have him. Uh, I have, you know, we know the big four and who they are. And then you get down to Rudolph and Jackson. Mike White, Western Kentucky, the ball jumps out of his hand. And then Luke Falk, Washington State. I have Ben Kurt as the ninth highest rated quarterback right now. Yeah, I've got him at 10. I've got him at 10. And I, you know, I'm interested to see him kind of work in the pocket. I thought his, some of his, most of his best throws, honestly, were on the move and really effective on throwing the ball on the run. He's a good athlete. He's got, he's got a lot of what you look for. I, I want to see you a little bit more in terms of hanging in the pocket, maneuvering and, and throwing the ball. But it, this, it, I think there's some interesting guys. You know, Mike White, Laletta, my guy Kyle Laletta from Richmond. Um, there's some interesting Riley guys. Ferguson. In, in, Yep, in that uh, on, on that third day that you know maybe will never be starters in the league, but could turn out to be really good backups. And uh, you know, Case Keenum, story like that, you're always searching for for the next guy that can that can emerge, and whether it's two, three years in the league or six, seven, eight years down the road. That's why you just keep on plugging away on these guys. Guys, you just addressed him briefly, but I kind of like the scouting distinction here, and you can hit it, uh, Josh at. 52080 Josh asks, Mel, why can't Orlando Brown step into the NFL and play left tackle? That's where he played throughout college. What do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, there's an outside chance, but I think he's the ultimate right tackle with the way he can just dominate in the run game. And, and the, remember, in college, you're not going up against elite pass rushers. The 32 best in the world at that uh, defensive end spot on the one side, the 32 best on the other, uh, that's the NFL. That's the best in the world. You don't see that in college. So that's why all-star games are important for these these offensive linemen and certainly projecting how they'll be if they're not going to go to all-star games, not eligible, how will they be uh, in the NFL? you got to project that because you don't see it on a daily basis in college. You just don't. And so for Orlando Brown, he looks like a right tackle. And and they have value. I mean, this in this league, you got pass rushers coming on both sides in the NFL. So you got to be able to pass protect on both sides. But it's always the blind side, and we worry about the left tackle. But I think Orlando Brown has a chance to be a really good player in the NFL. Is he a, a guaranteed one? I didn't get that. But I do think between 20 and 32, he could come off the board if the right team feels like, hey, he's a plug-and-play right tackle. Todd, Mel had uh, Roquan Smith as the top linebacker taken in this draft, and then obviously Edmonds right after him. At Steve Surup asks, is Smith the best linebacker in the draft, and is he better as an inside or outside linebacker? I realize that distinction gets fuzzy based on the system. Todd, where do you have Smith? Where do you think he ends up? Um, well, it depends on kind of where you Peg Edmonds is he? In, I I just kind of view them as as off the line linebackers and then edge linebackers. Kind of that's to me is the same. Now with the off the line guys, obviously some are better suited to be a, a Mike in a four three, a middle linebacker, or some are better suited to be a, a Will, which are typically guys with not that don't have great size and take on skills, but if you protect them, they can make a lot of plays sideline to sideline. So to me, Roquan fits as either a weak inside linebacker in a three four. Or a weak side linebacker in a 4-3. I, I think he does his best work when he's protected. He can continue to get bigger and a little bit stronger, and maybe he becomes a Mike. But uh, regardless, he's an off-the-line linebacker. And I think of the, the true off-the-line linebackers, I would say Roquan's the, the highest guy. I think I got him rated as the number nine overall player in this class right now. Yeah, and he was 225 was his list. And underclassmen, you go, you see these listed weights and heights. He was listed, I think, around 225 back in August. And mm-hmm. yeah, he's 240 now. I mean, he's 240 now. You know, to me, you know, he is an elite player. And I think he deserves to be way up there. But you can't always go. People think that, you know, these guys are what their weight was when they saw it here or saw it there. Those weights change dramatically and they fluctuate. He's not 225 any longer. Guys, let's finish off with this one just because it's going to be a huge conversation and it's actually going to be addressed well before the draft, thankfully. Free agency starts in early March. Um, for both of you, at Nick, at Nikki T2020 asks, Mel, you guys, you had Allen going number one in this draft. Do you think it's imperative, almost regardless of who they take, whether it's Allen, whether it's Darnold, whether somehow it's Rosen or Mayfield or somebody, you think it's imperative that they get the guy to be the bridge this offseason? Maybe that's Alex Smith. Obviously, John Dorsey brought him to KC. 
um, with Andy Reid there, or whether it's even Kirk Cousins. But, Mel, you can start. I'd like to hear from both of you on this just because it, it does impact the draft so much depending on what they do there. Yeah, and Todd and I, and I, I've said this, and I said it on the radio with Daria, and I'm, we're on the Dar, by the way, Daria and Mel show tomorrow morning from 9 a.m. Eastern Plug until it. noon Eastern. Yeah, yeah. We'll be talking a lot about the mocks and the projections and the draft uh, tomorrow, and we'll have predictions on the uh, two um, the conference championship games, by the way, and it might have a little surprise there for you. But to get back to the quarterbacks, the whole thing about ready, when is this quarterback ready varies. And I, I just, the thing I don't like is we, we, we can't, we force guys to be ready at the same time, which is year one. People People are writing off Jared Goff, Todd. I heard so many people. One of some of that I really respect, and they they know the game. I'm talking like Goff is just nothing. He's just a complete bust. He's a reject. They got to move on. Somebody even said they had to move on from Goff and find another quarterback. This was before the season began, based on what they saw as a rookie. If you'd have done that back in the seventies and eighties, Hall of Famers would have been kicked to the curb. This is nuts. This is ridiculous analysis and behavior of people that that, that don't know. You say, did you ever watch this game? Are you watching too much hockey? Are you watching too? Watch baseball. You're watching too much basketball. You're doing something other than watching football. I mean, I don't get it how you can discard quarterbacks after the first year, no matter how they looked, okay, how bad they looked. And uh, and to me, that's happening, and it's it's been going on, and it, it's, it irritates the heck out of me. So to say, I don't know when these guys are going to be ready. Do you really know? You can say this guy's a better chance than the other one, but you don't know till they get in there. And sometimes sitting for a year helps you. Mahomes is sitting for a year. He played in the final game. We'll see what happens. Other guys are forced. They didn't think. Philadelphia, their initial plan was to, to basically let Carson Wentz sit, watch, and learn. Bradford got hurt. He had to play. That wasn't their plan that rookie year, Todd. They were th- thinking that Wentz was not going to see the field necessarily, but he was forced to, and he played well. I I forget the question, and it really doesn't matter. No, are these guys I, ready? When will these like guys? No, 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 no. There's no better way to finish this podcast than that. I mean, I'm, there's no, there's nothing I can say that will mat- match that Thank aggression you. from Kuiper. I love on, it. On on Todd's floor to ceiling board, he's abdicating for ten years, 150 million for Kirk Cousins to the uh, Cleveland Browns. We'll just end it up there. Done. Perfect. <laughs> that is first draft for this week. I'm Chris Sproul. We had Todd. We had Mel. Um, man, I really want to tune into that radio show, Todd. What are you doing Mel, morning? Nine a.m. Eastern yeah. tomorrow. We can take this, uh, take this energy and uh, McShay's going to show up. McShay will show up. Maybe I'll be a guest, Kuiper. Yeah, Call whenever me. you decide to wake up and be on time. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All right, guys. Well, Mel's mock one just because just because the phone's not being picked up doesn't mean I'm not awake, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hear you, pal. I, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Mel Kuyper's Mach 1.0 is all over the interwebs. Um, find it, critique it, tweet angrily at Mel. Um, he'll be there for you. Todd will be at the Senior Bowl. We have the Super Bowl, and then I think Todd's going to fire one of these out uh, in a couple weeks, and then and then we're just kind of into the rhythm of things. They do work, and you yell at them. It's a great process. We'll do it right through the end of April, and uh, that's that. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash PodCenter.